Welcome to Slate Church Online. We are so glad that you're tuning in today, and we pray that this message will bless you no matter where you're watching from. If this message impacts you today, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Well, good morning, Slate Church. How are we doing? All right, come on. Why don't you take a seat this morning, and as you do, turn to the person beside you, tell them that you're glad to be sitting with them today. Do, now, now do it again and, and really mean it this time. Tell them like you mean it. I really mean it. Did you mean it? Cool. Well, it is phenomenal to be here with you this morning. Uh, as Pastor Ben said, my name is Jared, and I love you, and uh, I'm happy to be here today. I'm happy to be uh, back in Waterloo, back at Slate Church. I'm really excited. Uh, let me tell you, BC was fun. It was good. They've got some mountains there. Um, they got some lakes there. That's pretty cool and stuff, but uh, what they don't have is Slate Church, and what they don't have is this community of people, and let me tell you something. I miss Waterloo. I miss this group of people, and I'm excited to be here with you today. Are you excited? Come on. Our conference was really, really fun. ARC is, uh, if you haven't heard of ARC, ARC, it's A-R-C, not A-R-K. took me a long time to understand that. And basically, ARC, what it stands for is uh, Association of Related Churches. And so what it is, is it's, it's, a, it's a group of people, it's a community for uh, different life-giving churches here in Canada. And what they do is they, they provide a, a network of support, of encouragement, uh, a place to kind of learn from one another. And also they, they provide support for people that are looking to plant new churches in Canada. So it was really, really incredible. The ARC was a huge part of our story at Slate Church and, and how we got our, our start. So it's amazing every year to, to go. This is my first year going. It was really, really cool to meet some of the other pastors that are doing similar things uh, across Canada. Where there were pastors there from BC. There were pastors from uh, Halifax. And really the big takeaway that I had from ARC is that God is doing something really incredible in Canada. He's doing something new. He's doing something exciting. It was phenomenal to, to just hear some of the stories in the room from other pastors and other people and, and other churches that have really seen uh, God really come alive and be active in their communities. And not, not just that, but there were actually people internationally there that, that came to ARC because they heard of what God was doing in Canada and they wanted to see a little bit of it so they could take it back to their own country. They could learn a little bit more so that they could plant churches like the churches that are coming up in Canada. And so huge takeaway there. Very excited about it. And then uh, another really cool takeaway from ARC was uh, it was just to see our lead pastors from Slate Church in, in a different context. Right? We see them, them here every Sunday pouring into the community here, but it was really, really cool to see them uh, at this conference, and they were really pouring into a lot of the pastors there as well. Pastor Luke had an opportunity to speak uh, and, and encourage some of the pastors there. Pastor Brandon, he did, uh, he did one of the breakout sessions, and it, and it was phenomenal. I, I didn't go to it. I had to go to another one, but uh, but luckily I get to hear from it every week, so I can learn it anyways. But, um, but he, did, he did a phenomenal job. I, I heard a lot of really good stuff about that. And not just that, but some of those international people that had come to that conference to learn, uh, it was cool because we actually got to sit down with some of them, and it was really, really cool to see our other pastors. We're just pouring into them and encouraging them and, and giving them ideas and thoughts and, and, and just sharing a bit of our experience at Slate Church so that they could take that back into their context. So two, two big takeaways. Guys, there's something really cool in Canada. And uh, our new pastors are really cool as well, doing incredible things. So can we give it up to them? 
But hey, look, we're here today. We are in Slate Church today, and I'm excited to share uh, with you today. I'm really pumped. Are you excited this morning? I think I think it, it's really cool. I, I've been thinking about this uh, over the whole trip. It's something that I was sort of thinking of on the plane ride over there, and uh, and it just kind of was like running around in my mind. And then when we got to Ark, there was some really cool stuff that was happening there that got me even more excited. And then on the plane ride back, it's just kind of working on some more stuff. So I'm excited to to be here with you this morning, and I'm glad that uh, the next couple of minutes, my job isn't to entertain anybody, right? And I'm glad that your job isn't to be entertained this morning. But I, I'm really thankful that at Slate Church I get to speak to uh, to people that are contributors, not consumers, right? We're going to have fun in the message this morning because really we believe that church should be enjoyed and not just endured. And so I'm going to enjoy this. Hopefully you're going to enjoy it as well. But, uh, but I'm excited to, to speak to a group of people that, that are encouragers, that really lean into the message. That was something that I, I, I learned while we were away, is that we've actually got some phenomenal people here at Slate Church. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to doing it into a room of contributors. If you came this morning and you're just looking to sit back and, and listen, you might be in the wrong place. And I think that uh, if we really lean into what God is doing here, if we get excited about what he's doing, if we really take hold of what is happening here, um, I think we're going to get a lot more out of it than if we just kind of sit back and chair, cross our arms, and, and wait for something to happen. Is that right? Cool. Well, hey, let's start this morning by turning to the book of John. John 15. If you want to flip your Bibles open to John 15, I'm going to flip my super big Bible open here this morning, so be uh, patient with me. This is my study Bible, but it's also the only Bible that I have right now, so it's going to have to do. It's pretty floppy. John 15, all right? John 15, verse 9. So, so a little bit of context about this verse. This is uh, one of the last conversations that Jesus had with his disciples before he left uh, his time on earth, before he actually died. How many people know that when somebody is kind of in their last days of life, it's important to listen to the things that they're saying, right? People always ask uh, you know, what were his last words? When, when someone's on their, on their deathbed and they're, they're kind of going, those, those last sentences, those last phrases, those last conversations, they're significant. They resonate with people. They're important. You're kind of running out of time to share information. And so, you, you know, these, these last few days in Jesus' life are, are really significant. And so this is one of those conversations. Scholars believe that this conversation actually happened uh, even at the Last Supper. So it's, it's a significant portion of Scripture, but I'm, I want to read it for us this morning. It should be on the screen behind me as well. But it says this. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments and remain in his love. I love, I love right off the bat, we see Jesus pointing to the Father. Right away, he's saying, look, remain in my love as I have remained in his love. Keep my commandments as I have kept his commandments. Jesus is right away pointing to the Father and giving us instructions on how, as he's following the Father, we should follow him and what he's doing. Right? Verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. And then jump down to verse 17 with me here. This morning it says, this is my command. Love each other. Can we pray this morning? Dear God, thank you so much for uh, for church. And this is just the phenomenal opportunity that we have to, to be in your house today. To, to gather around your word, to hear a little bit of, 
uh, of your teaching and what you have for us. And God, I, I pray that as we gather in this place, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our heart today, God. That our that even in this moment, you would soften our hearts to what you would have to say to us. That you would sharpen our minds to maybe see some new things in, in your word this morning that we haven't recognized in the past or didn't see in the past. But God, we love you. We just offer this time to you. And, uh, and we know that you're here and that you're moving already. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we went to BC this last week, and uh, we flew there because there's no way I was going to drive all the way to BC. And it wasn't it wasn't a super long flight. It was like a five hour flight, which is uh, long enough. And I realized something. I knew this uh, from before, and I became self aware of this on this trip. Is that uh, when I'm traveling, my patience gets really, really thin with people. I'm not the best person to travel with. I think that uh, I, I really care about people. I love people. I get excited about people. I like spending time with them. Uh, when I'm traveling, I'm really annoyed with people all the time for no reason. We just walk into the airport and I'm already annoyed. Everybody around me, I'm annoyed at you. I'm annoyed at you. I'm annoyed at you. And I don't, I don't know why this happens to me. It just happens. I'm just being honest this morning. So we... We get in the plane and we flew. Uh, we flew swoop out of Hamilton to Abbotsford because we're on a budget. We got that budget airline on a budget. Swoop a budget airline? I think that it is a budget airline. Yeah, it is. All right. I, and I've never flown a budget airline before. Uh, not because I have a ton of money, but because like when I, whenever I flew, it was to visit my, my parents at home, and they're long flights like across the ocean, and so you you better go with something serious if you're going on a long flight. But it, it, but Canada, it's 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 a little shorter, five hours. So I just we'll go swoop, we'll go budget. And, uh, and we get on the flight, and weird stuff happens on swoop flights, man. This is what I, I learned. I don't know if this is all budget airlines, but I know that swoop flights, they do weird stuff. Like, we're sitting in the plane, and as soon as we take off, everybody gets up out of their seat. Like, half the plane gets out of their seat, and they start walking around the plane and, like, talking to each other and stuff. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? It's like, we're on a flight. Just sit in your seat. It's five hours. But they're going around. They're all, like, people are stopping and talking to each other. And this actually happened. As we're taking off. You know how you do that like little ramp up before you actually start to take off? The plane starts to accelerate and everyone just kind of like grips their uh, armchairs really, really tight. As the thing is accelerating, this lady gets up out of her seat and opens the overhead bin to get something out of her bag. And immediately one of the flight attendants is like, everybody in the plane, sit back down. Everybody that's in the plane that's standing right now, sit back in your seat, put your seatbelt on. And like, there's only one person that's standing up. We all know she's talking to this lady, but everybody in the plane, in back in your seat, turn your seatbelt on, uh, turn your seatbelt on. Seatbelt sign is on, put your seatbelt on. It was just weird. Weird stuff was happening. It was a weird flight. But, but, but before, we had, Beth had an aisle seat, I had, I had a middle seat, and there was a uh, window seat that was open as well. And so we're like, okay, this could be, this could be good. There's potential here. We got a little bit of space. We could have an extra seat in this row. It could be nice. And uh, so the plane is filling up. We're like five minutes from takeoff. This is looking good. We're getting excited. And uh, and then somebody comes on the plane. So I'm kind of eyeing the seat, eyeing this person. And they start to walk down uh, the, the middle of the all the aisles, like all the seats. And I mean, of course, they come into our aisle and they're like, oh. I so I'm annoyed. Right away, I'm annoyed. Okay, fine. So the Beth gets up. I get up. I move back. She kind of goes in. I go and I sit back in the seat. Sit down. Okay. We don't have as much space as we thought. She's sitting there. I'm trying to be courteous, right? I'm annoyed, but I'm trying to be courteous. And, and so what I do is I, I do like the keep my arms together. And there's there's an armrest here. And there's an armrest here. And I do the uh, I do just like the elbows on the back corner of the armrest. You know what I mean? You do it at the movie theaters. You do it on flights. Trying to be nice. I need the I need the armrest. I'm in the middle. I got the worst seat. 
But I'm, I'm going to leave her some space. I'm going to leave that some space. I'm not doing the full arm. I just got my elbows uh, first on the corners. Thought I, thought I was being nice. Thought I was being courteous. This lady beside me, we take off a couple minutes into the fight. She kind of does one of these and moves around. Knocks my arm off the armrest. Okay? <laughs> not a big deal. Not a big deal. Don't do anything. Don't say anything. Put my arm back on the armrest. Just on the corner. Being courteous. A couple minutes later, uh, kind of shifts again. Knocks my arm off the armrest. So I gave her one of these. I gave her one of these. That's it. That's it. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Not going to say anything. Happens again. About two minutes later. Sitting there. She gives one of these. Knocks my arm off the armrest. Give her one of these. Leave my arm on the armrest. Put it back on the armrest. Don't want to say anything. We're 30 minutes into a four and like a five hour flight. I don't want to spend four and a half hours in this uncomfortable tension because she keeps bumping me. But it keeps happening. She keeps moving. She keeps rubbing her arm against my arm. She keeps rubbing her leg against my leg. I can feel the whole side of my body is getting hit by this lady. Throughout the course of this flight, I'm getting annoyed. I'm getting agitated. I'm getting frustrated. I lean over to Beth and I'm like, babe, this lady keeps hitting me. She's like, she's taking me off. I'm going to say something in a minute here. Go back. She does it again. I'm good. I'm losing it. I just gotta keep it together. Beth is kind of ignoring me. She's reading like a book or something else. She's like, okay, babe, it's fine. Don't worry. My angst is rising. My angst is rising. I'm getting more and more frustrated. And she knocks my arm again. We're like halfway through the flight. She knocks my arm. And I lean over to Beth and I say, babe, this I'm, she's taking me off. I'm gonna say something. And Beth, I think she's tired of listening to me complain. She leans over from her book and she, she goes like this. She says, she says, well, Jesus died for her too and he loves her, so you better love her as well. <laughs> chest and I uh, sat back and I kind of slinked down in my seat and I was like, okay, you're right, it's just an armrest, it's just my arm, I'm being dumb, I'm being annoyed. But she was right, she was right. Jesus loves her and I need to love her. People can be frustrating, right? People can be annoying, people can get under your skin, they can grind your gears, they can, uh, I don't know, spoil your milk, whatever the analogies are, they can be annoying, they can be frustrating, but people are the best, aren't they? They're the worst, but they're also the best. It can be hard to love people, and my example is small and insignificant. It's just like, don't come on, I'm on rest on the north because we're flying. But it can be hard to, to, to love people, but it's good to love people. It can be hard to love people, but it, it is, it's good to love people. I think, you know, this idea of love is so central and important to the Bible. It's so central and important to Jesus. It's so central and important to the gospel, right? We see love, uh, you know, all throughout scripture. There's uh, there's actually uh, four different kinds of love. I did some, did some research on this. I'm not gonna try to say the, uh, the the words. I'm just gonna explain what they are. There's four different kinds of love. The first love is, uh, it's this. It's a uh, romantic, sensual love. Hello, shout out to my wife, uh, Elizabeth Moore. I love you, girl. Can I get an amen? No, don't say amen to that. That's my wife. I have a little bit of respect. So there's a romantic kind of love, all right? There is, uh, there's a family love. It's a love that you feel for your family. It's a love that you feel for your siblings, for your parents. There's, there's a love that we feel uh, you know, for the church or for other believers. There's a brotherly love. And then there's this idea of, uh, of agape love. Maybe we've heard this word before. And it's, it's the love that God has for mankind, for people. Right? Just, and, and, and if you've got four different ways of talking about love, it's obviously important. Right? You got four different ways of, of explaining love and, and identifying love. It, it, it's important. It's central to scripture. It's central to Jesus, why he came in the first place. And it's central to uh, the gospel. It's central to our lives as believers, this idea of, of love. 
And, and there's a lot to be said about love, but as I read the Bible, as I read scripture, what I identify and what I see and what I want to talk about here today is this. When you look at love in the Bible, when you look at the way that God loves people, when you look at the way that Jesus loves people, you see that when Jesus talks about love, when God talks about love, they don't do it passively. It's not an idea or a thought or a feeling. It's an action. There's an action attached to the love that they have, that God has for the world. There's an action attached to the love that Jesus has for us. Well, look, look, look at this, all right? It's easy to miss it if you don't pay attention, so just, so just watch this really quickly. John 3, 16, verse we have heard thousand times super popular verse is all over the place John 3 16 says this for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life just just watch it for God so loved that he gave he gave because he loved he loved and he gave there's an action attached to the love of God there's something that is driving him. He cares so much about the world. He so loved the world that he gave something, his son. Today, if you're looking for a title for this message, if you want to write something down, if you're a note taker, which you should be, the, the title of this message is Love is a Verb. I ripped it off of John Mayer's song. If you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love anything. Love is a verb. It's a good song. Love. <laughs> but love him or hate him, and it's usually one or the other. People either love John Mayer or they hate John Mayer. But he's on to something with that this idea, right? He's, it's a good idea. It's a good principle. But I think it's more than that. I think it's actually more than just a, a cool idea. It's more than a clever thought. It's more than a song lyric. I think it's actually something that we see demonstrated in scripture, something that we see demonstrated in the love of God, something that we actually can, can read when we read the Bible. I think that this, this idea that, that love actually engages, it, it's not just a, it's not a thought or a feeling, it's an action, it's a verb. To love someone, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna love my city, I'm gonna love my family, I'm gonna love my wife, there's something attached to that. I think, I think for myself, Oftentimes I say it a lot. Oh, I love you. I love this. I love that. This is amazing. I love this. I, lo I love Slate Church. I love being here. But what is the action that's attached to my love? How am I actively loving the things that I say that I love? Right? I think as Christians, we, we take our cues from Jesus, right? We want to follow Jesus. Uh, uh, Paul says, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And the idea here is we need to just follow Christ. We need to imitate Christ, mimic Christ, be like Christ. And so what we need to do as believers is look at the way that Jesus loved people. How does he love people? If, if we want to love people properly, if we want to love each other properly, you know, and the, the world will know you by this, the way that you love one another. If we want to love people properly, Jesus says, you know, this is, this is my command, love one another. How do we do that? Let's, let's look at the life of Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, you see an active love, right? You don't see a passive love. You see an active. We see him, you know, you know, feeding the hungry. We see him healing the sick. We see him going to places he shouldn't be going, talking to people he shouldn't be talking to. We see him hanging out with, with uh, the, the, the tax collectors, which doesn't mean a lot to us today, but the, the, the sinners and the, and the prostitutes. 
And he's actually called out over and over, why are you hanging out with these people? Why are you hanging out with these people? Why are you hanging out with these people? He finds himself in situations, in, in, in environments with people that are overlooked, that aren't seen, that, that people walk past on a regular basis, that people maybe even have a passive love towards. All those people, that they're really hurting. I love them. What does that mean? What do, do you love them? Because when I look at Jesus' life, when I say, see the way that he loves people, I see him acting on that. I see him doing something. I see him engaging with the things that he loves. Romans 5.8, it's not just John 3.16, he loved the world that he gave us. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He so loved, so he died. He loved, so he gave. He loved, so he came. Love is not a thought. It's not a feeling. It's not a noun. It's not an idea. It's a verb. We've got to love the people around us. Today, I wonder this morning if, if, if we, we really understand this, if we caught this idea. And, I, and I'm not just talking at you. I'm, I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to myself today. Do I really love Waterloo? Do I really love this city? Do I understand the pain in this city? Do I understand the hurt in this city? Do I understand the areas of, of lack and of need, the areas that, that, that need love? And, and not only do I understand that and have a bunch of head knowledge, does it move me? Do I care about it? Is it significant to me? And, and, and not just is it significant to me, is it significant enough to me to, to act on it, to jump in, to get uncomfortable, to move myself out of, out of what I enjoy and what I'm familiar with and what feeds into me and actually feed into the people around me? And, and, and I think that this morning, as, as we kind of look at this idea of love, the, the question that I want to ask today is, is, do we feel this kind of love for people? Do we actually act on the love? And, and if we do, what motivates that? Do we love out of obligation? I feel like I need to do this, so I do it. Somebody on the platform told me I need to love people, so I'm out here loving people. Do we do it out of, out of necessity? I got to do this because I, I, I just, I try to keep my head above water. You know, like, oh, I, I love my family because if I don't, it's going to be really bad in this household and I'm not, I'm not uh, subscribing to that. So I'm just going to love my sisters, I'm going to love my brothers, I'm going to love my parents. It's going to be fine. Do we do that out of necessity? Do we do that out of fear? What motivates our actions? I'm going to do this thing because I'm afraid of what happens if I don't do it. I, I, I'm going to show up here. I'm going to, I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to keep coming to church because I don't know what's going to happen if I don't come to church. I'm afraid. Or is it love that motivates our actions? I actually care so much about this thing. I, I value this thing so much. I care so much about this person that I'm going to do something about it. That I'm going to jump in and I'm going to engage. There's, there's a few things here this morning that I think we need to understand, that we need to catch, that we need to, to get into our hearts. Not just into our heads, but actually into our hearts so that we can love people better. So we can love people like Jesus. Not just better, because you know the best that we can do will never be enough for all the brokenness that's around us, but to love people like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to, to show people Jesus through our love. The first is this, and again, if you're taking notes, which actually I see a lot of people taking notes, that's amazing. You can write this down. We need to shift our perspective. We need to shift our perspective. We can't just... Uh, Make up love for people. I wish that we could. Can't just close our eyes and squint really hard and love something more afterwards. I, I wish I could fabricate love. I wish I could just try hard enough to love somebody. But I don't, I don't think we can just whip it up. That's why it's hard. That's why it's hard to love 
people. It's hard to love people because uh, loving people is hard. Like it's difficult to. But but how, how do we do it? How do we how do we shift our perspective from just I'm just gonna try to love this person to really seeing them through the lens of love, seeing them the way that Jesus sees them? Because I, I believe that if we can see people the way that Jesus sees people, we're gonna love them like Jesus loves them, right? If we can identify with people, if we can see through the the, the facade that people throw up, if we can see the heart of a person, if we can see the pain of a person, if we can understand where that person is at and see them the way that Jesus sees them, I think we can love them the way that Jesus loves them. In order to love people the way that Jesus loves people, we need to see them the way Jesus sees them. And in order to see people the way that Jesus sees people, we have to understand first how he loves us. You never catch the love of God from the people around us if we don't understand the love of God towards us. Right? We can't, we can't go out of this place excited and passionate and loving others if we don't really see and are filled up first by this love that Jesus has for us. How do we get an understanding of how much Jesus loves us? We spend time with him. That's how you do that. There's not really another way. He says back in John 15, abide in my love. There's no way of getting around it. I, I, I've even thought about this and tried this in my life. My, my schedule is busy. Oh, I don't have time to read my Bible today. I don't have time to do this, yada, 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 yada. And our conference really clicked in my brain because we spent time with Jesus for like two full days. No breaks. We had sessions in the morning, sessions in the afternoon, sessions in the evening. We were just worshiping and listening and reading our Bibles. And, and it reminded me that I can't do the things that I do in my life unless I'm spending time with Jesus. I run out of steam. I run out of energy. I can sleep eight hours a night and drink all the coffee that I want, but I don't see people the way that Jesus sees people. I don't have the energy to love people the way that Jesus loves people, but I'm not spending the time in my day in and day out getting in front of Jesus and being around him. And what does that look like practically? It looks like read your Bible, see how he loved the people around him. Read the gospels. How did Jesus love his disciples? How did Jesus love the people in the different cities that he went to? How did Jesus love uh, you know, his own family. How did that work? What did that look like? Take, be, be quiet for a bit of the, of the day. Take some dedicated time aside. Just just pray. Get in front of you and say, Jesus, I need to be around you. Will you come and meet me here today? He will. But we got to show up. We got to show up and show up and show up and get in front of Jesus. Maybe it's, it's worship. Maybe you identify with worship. That's the way that moves your heart. That's the that's way that you get a better understanding of who Jesus is. Do that. It's a combination of all of them for everybody, but we got to be in front of Jesus. we got to spend time with Jesus so we can understand how he loves us so that we can take that love and show it to other people. Second thing is this. we got to be inclusive with our love. we got to be inclusive with our love. We can't, and th this is simple. I'm not going to belabor this point. I think we get this, right? We can't choose who to love and who not to love. Jesus didn't. He loved everybody, right? He loved he loved the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was harder on them, but he loved them. And he loved the, the, the tax collector and, and, and the prostitute alike. He loved everybody. And so we can't pick and choose who uh, we love. We have the same obligation, the same responsibility to love everyone, right? And, and, and again, I'm not trying to, to downplay any, anything in anybody's life, right? There are, are people in this room that have been significantly hurt by others in life. And so loving people practically doesn't always look like being around them. I'm not saying just stick around those people forever and just keep loving them and loving them and loving them. It's a dangerous situation. Remove yourself from the situation. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to belittle anything in this room. But there still has to be a love, a Christ-like love in our heart for all people, the same way that he has that love for all people. I, I think we have to, we, we can't allow what we believe to prohibit who we love. We just have to love everyone. 
right? We might not agree with them, we might not identify with them, we might not support the things that they're doing, but we still have to love them. I think we, 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 we can't allow what we believe to prohibit, prohibit who we love, and, and we should value the heart over the hurt. If we value the hearts of the people that are in our spheres of influence instead of the hurt that we might feel from those people. Again, not, not going to belabor this. It, it makes sense. Be inclusive with everyone. The last thing, the most important thing, the thing that sort of ties all this together is, is this. We need to be active with our love. I've been married for almost a year now. Almost. All right? It's exciting. It's fun. Marriage is great. We were talking to people before we got married saying, like, hey, uh, how was the first year of marriage? And it was, it was one or the other. It was super, super hard, or it was a breeze. It was super easy. And we've been blessed to be on uh, the side of it. It's been pretty easy. We had a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. We did a lot of hard work up front to, to make sure that we were doing it well, right? But, uh, but I just, I love my wife. I love her. She's the best. I said it. I got that uh, romantic love towards her. And, uh, and and I say it all the time, right? I'm always telling her, oh, I love you, babe. I love you so much. Oh, my goodness, I love you. Oh, hey, good morning. I love you. Hey, here's some breakfast. I love you. Oh, I love you so much. And to the point where people are, like, kind of getting annoyed by it, right? They're like, all right, just settle down, okay? Jeez. Some husbands are like, hey, just relax, all right? I got I to gotta up my game over here, but you're making me feel better. And... Uh, but it's the first year of love. You're gushing. You got all this love for each other. And let me tell you, even though it's the first year of love, I'm going to keep fighting every single year of our marriage to maintain that love for her because that love shouldn't be dying. We should actually be growing over time. Come on, if we're going to clap for something that's late, church, we need to clap for something. We're golf clapping. But I love her so much. People get annoyed because I say it so much. She might even get a little bit annoyed because I say it so much. One day she, she comes to me and she says, uh, hey, you know, I just, in the last little bit, I haven't really been feeling loved by anybody. What? I say it every day. What are you talking about? You haven't been feeling loved by me. I say it three, four, five, six times a day. What do you mean? Uh, I, I, people are, are getting annoyed. I tell you all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm always saying it, I'm always saying it. How can you possibly not feel love? But let me tell you something that I realized in my first year of marriage is you can't just sit on the couch and tell somebody that you love them. You actually have to do something about it. I gotta get up. I gotta make that woman breakfast. I gotta clean those dishes. I gotta I gotta vacuum the floors. I gotta hang the photo that's been sitting beside our dresser that she's been asking me to hang for three weeks that I haven't done. I gotta act on the love. And the same way that we can't just sit on the couch and tell people that we love them, we can't just sit in the chairs of a church and tell our city that we love them. We can't just sit beside each other and tell Jesus that we love them. Of, of passive lovers. It doesn't need a passive church that lets people walk by, that just kind of sits back on the sidelines and says, it's okay, I love you, I love you, it'll be all right, I love you. We need a church that actually gets out of the seats, gets into the city, finds the pain, and says, I'm not going to let another day go by without jumping in and caring for you and loving you and demonstrating to you the love that Jesus has for you through me. Love is a verb. It's hard can be difficult. When I, when I wrote this point, I stopped and I was like, how the heck am I supposed to do this every day? This is so much. How am I supposed to love people like that every single day? And, and it, the Holy Spirit spoke something in my heart. He tweaked in my heart. And, and he said, I love you every day. You're, you're so dumb sometimes. But I love you. It's so difficult to love you, but I love you. 
thank God when I wake up in the morning that he didn't wake up this morning and say, today is just too hard to love Jerry. It's just too hard to love this person. It's just too hard to love that person. I thank you that I live and abide in a love that is so good, it doesn't matter what I do. That's so consistent, it doesn't matter what I do. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. And that inspires my heart to love and to love and to love. Not out of my own strength, but again, back to abiding in his love, spending time with him, catching a vision for what he has for the people, catching an idea for the people around him. I think we need to stop loving people out of obligation, start loving them out of expectation for their life, an expectation for what God can do in them, an expectation for the future that he has for them here on earth, but into eternity as well. We gotta keep on loving. Keep on loving. It's, it's a verb, it's hard. But it's good. It's hard to love people, but it's good to love people. Why do we love? Okay, this is how you do it. This is what it looks like. This is how we catch love from people. Why, why do we do it in the first place? First John says this. We love because he first loved us. Why do we love people? Because Jesus loves us. Why, why, why are we moved by people? Because Jesus is moved by us. Why do we act on things? Because God so loved us that he gave his son. Maybe there are some, some people here this morning that don't know that God loves them. Maybe you don't feel like God loves them. I, say, I think a lot of the time we might not feel like God loves us. But sometimes, actually most of the time, our feelings really don't have anything to do with the truth. Our feelings have nothing to do with the reality of our lives. The reality is, that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we didn't care about him at all, and maybe we didn't even just not care about him, but we actively opposed him, and he still died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. One of, one of the best ways of identifying how much somebody loves something is how much that person is willing to give for that something. How much that person is willing to sacrifice that something. The level to which you love something is often the level to which you give for that thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Wondering in this place this morning, does God love me? You can find out. Just look at what he gave. Look at what he gave. It wasn't a thought. It wasn't a feeling. Thoughts and prayers. Whatever that is. Right? It was an action. It drove him to action. For God so loved me that he gave his son. For God so loved you that he gave his son. For God so loved the world, that fatherly, agape-style love to every single person that's here. He loved you so much that he gave his son. We can't even wrap our minds around it, really, because there's not a lot of people in our lives, maybe if any, that we love as much as God loved us. None that we love as much as God And I love that we serve a God that, that demonstrates his love. Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. Romans 5 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The level to which he loves you is the level to which he's willing to give for you. What he's willing to give for you is his only son. Why don't we stand in this place this morning? Love is so critical to who we are as people, as Christians in this place. First Corinthians says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, 
I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I've got the gift of prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I've a faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything that I possess to the poor, if I do all the works, if I try so hard, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. It's pivotal for, for us in the room this morning as Christians. If we're not doing the things that we do in love, we're not getting the point of all of this. Again, Corinthians, do everything in love. It's easier when you're looking for opportunities in love. It's easier when you're looking for opportunities. When we're not sitting back, waiting for an opportunity to love, freaking out about it, getting uncomfortable, and letting it pass by. When we actively seek out opportunities to love people, that do everything in love first becomes a lot easier becomes more instinctual, more habitual, just happens. This morning, if you're in this place today, maybe this is your first time this late and you're not really excited to be here. Somebody dragged you out and listening to me for the last however long it's been. And you don't know that God loves you. I, I hope that you heard today that he does. I hope that that resonates with you this morning. That the level to which he loves you is so much greater even than we could imagine. There's no greater love than this, than someone who is willing to lay down their life for their friends. That's how much Jesus loves you. There's no greater love than that. And how much God loves you is enough to send his only son. And every week here, I just give an opportunity for people to respond to the love that God has for you. Maybe you're in this place and you haven't heard that God loves you. And this is moving in your heart. Something's going on inside. You got some, some goosebumps and some warm feelings. That's not just warm feelings. That's not just music. That's actually the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Want to extend an invitation to, to everybody in this room. So with every every head bowed and, and every eye closed, why don't we why don't we do that for the sake of privacy for the people that are here? I don't want to point you out, I don't want to call you up. I'm not gonna make you stand up and jump around and come to the front or anything like that. But if you feel the Holy Spirit working on your heart today, if you feel something inside that says, I need to respond to this. I didn't know Jesus loved me. I didn't know God loved me. I want to do something about this. I want this to drive me a little bit. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to know more about this. I want to get engaged. I want to choose to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and follow after him. On the count of three, I want to invite you to, to raise your hand this morning. Don't need to be anything more than that. Just put your hand up high. One, Jesus loves you. Two, this is the best decision that you could ever make. Three, if that's you in this place this morning, I want to invite you to raise your hand.
best for us in the room that maybe have understood God's love at some point in our lives. We, we caught a glimpse of it. We felt it towards ourselves or we felt it towards the people around us. It made sense to us for a little while, but we've lost that. We've lost an understanding, a, a true, not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge of how much God loves us, how much he cares about us, how much he sees where we're at and wants to take us, not just where we're at. He doesn't want to just leave us there, but he wants more for our lives and to move us forward. Maybe we've lost the image of that love. So again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to provide an opportunity. If that's you in this place today, and you've lost the wonder of God's love, you've lost the, 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 the vision of God's love, you've lost that, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. Again, I just, in this moment, I want to invite you to raise your hand. My hand's up. All, all across this room. I, I miss it. I, I haven't been seeing it recently. I need to catch a new glimpse of Jesus' love so that not only can I understand how he loves me, but I can understand how he loves others. So I'm gonna, I want to pray for us this morning. Jesus, thank you, first of all, for your love for us. Thank you that you see each one of us where we're at, God. And not only do you see us, but you love us. And not only do you love us, you love us so much that you actually did something about it. You love us so much that you left heaven and came and inhabited us and walked with us day in and day out. And you provided us an opportunity to love you back and to love the people around us. So this morning, God, I pray that we would get a fresh revolution of that love, a fresh understanding of your love, and that we would leave this place not just eating it up for ourselves, but we would leave this place loving those around us, feeding those around us, being excited for those around us, not out of obligation, but out of expectation for who you are and what you're doing in your life. Thanks so much for watching. If you were impacted by the message today, you can send us an email at mystory@slatechurch.com. And if you'd like to learn more, you can fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you at one of our Sunday services and make sure to stay connected by following us on any of our social media, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.